Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, May 24th, 2023. Today on the Ether, Shade Protocol Analytics. Let's take a listen. So before we kick this off, kind of focusing on this on Shade, I'm curious if, uh, if either you, Ranger, or Father Flash, if you guys seen anything in the market that's uh, kind of caught your eye lately. It doesn't have to be about uh, DeFi. It could be about regulations or, or anything that's kind of uh, native to the industries and environments you guys are around. Just curious uh, if anything new has caught you guys' eye. I mean, I guess like the macro is really all about like the debt ceiling right now and if that will get uh, extended further. Yeah, I haven't been, to to be completely honest, I haven't been following that very closely. I imagine if this is still a topic of discussion that uh, conversations are stalling at least right now. Yeah, I mean... If they do, yeah, if they don't make a deal, then it could be very bad for all markets, not just crypto. Yeah, that's very true. I've seen some interesting predictions on like the expected drops in uh, some of the key indices uh, in the U.S. stock markets. It is pretty interesting. Uh, I I don't think I've ever been alive to, to see something like, well, I might have, and I just didn't notice it. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I think back in like 2000... I don't know, like 16 or so, I think there was also like we got close and like federal government employees got put on, um, I guess, I don't know what the right word is, like not suspension, but they weren't being paid. And yeah. Thank you guys for being here on time. Going to give this another minute or so waiting for Carter to hop in here and then going to share this round to a few more places and then uh, we can kind of kick this off this this discussion is going to be recorded, so anyone who wants to come back and listen to it will uh, be able to do so. All right, I just pinged Carter. Um, while he's getting in here, we can go ahead and kind of kick this off. We'll do uh, guest speaker introductions, and uh, we'll kind of start getting into covering some of the high-level achievements that we've seen recently. Uh, in this Twitter space, we're going to be going over some recent uh, Shade Protocol and Silk Stats. We're going to be covering uh, some recent changes to emissions. Uh, recent announcements, partnerships, going to be going over some of the details of the meta engine um, and uh, and some recent proposals that have been made on behalf of Shade Protocol, not only on our forums, but um, on some other communities forums as well. So to kick this off, uh, Father Flash, would you mind introducing yourself uh, to, to the guests we have here? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, so I'm, I'm Father Flash at this point. I think uh, I've pretty much been docs for the most part. My actual name is Mike, um, and I've been working uh, with the guys for Shade Protocol for quite some time now. I've been running product there, um, and now after we release some of these uh, major applications, you know, doing a little bit more uh, on the business side, 
um, pretty much trying to understand and get some feedback from the market. So anybody here that's listening or anybody here that uh, is listening to this in the future, um, you know, if there's any feedback, please, you know, DM me on Twitter or just reach out to us. Um, but yeah, pretty much uh, that's my that's my intro. <laughs> Appreciate it very much. I've had the good fortune of working with uh, Mike fairly closely since my time <clears throat> contributing to Shape Protocol, and he's definitely a really valuable key contributor. So great to have you here, Mike, uh, discussing this stuff. Ranger, would you mind uh, introducing yourself and maybe giving a little bit of background um, on kind of uh, your skill set and your knowledge base uh, in this space? Sure, I'm Ranger. Uh, I've been working with uh, Shade Protocol for, I guess, like two years now. Um, my background is in like traditional finance. So I'm very interested in like how the economics of the whole come together and um, just basically like how do we convey information uh, when it comes to like financials. And um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been working with them for a while and I, I love the product. Yep. And again, thank you for thank you both for joining us today. I know Ranger has been on a few different um, few different of our Twitter spaces discussing some internal shade um, details and discussion. So it's great to have you here again, especially as we focus on some more data driven insights. Um, so I think uh, we can kick this off just providing. Um, a high level overview of some of the achievements that Shade has um, has reached over this path past month or so. Um, I know crypto things move so quickly and it, it feels like it's been months since we've had Shade Swap and Silk out into the market. But um, Shade Swap launched on the 12th of April and Silk and Shade Lynn launched on April 19th. So in just over the past month, we've launched uh, three of our most critical products, um, some of our biggest value drivers for uh, the Shade Protocol ecosystem and the meta engine that we're going to be talking about uh, in just a little bit. Um, you know, in that time, we've seen some incredible growth in the TVL on Shade Swap. We've seen incredible um, growth and, and quick turnaround with onboarding new partners. We've seen um, some really substantial growth in, uh, you know, the supply of silk, and so we're going to be digging into all of these, um, all of these different stats here in just a second. Um, I think some of the biggest high-level achievements, uh, considering our recent product launches, are that silk is now the largest decentralized stablecoin in the cosmos. Um, it is currently backed by five different. Uh, or is the, the collateral backing for Silk um, is spread across five different assets, three of which are liquid staking derivatives, two of which are stable coins. And we'll go into kind of how the, the Silk collateral backing is um, being shaped right now and some of the considerations uh, relative to Operation Touch and Go, which if any of you have uh, been active on the Shade Protocol forums, you'll, um, you'll recognize that, that forum post. Um, but, you know, as we have these products out, we're going to be um, extremely focused on shipping continual improvements to existing DApp functionality, efficiency, and also uh, continual UI UX improvements. And um, we've got a lot of UI UX improvements to, um, to unveil in the coming weeks. 
relating to a bunch of our different applications. So really, really uh, excited to cover that um, in the in the near future. But I guess we can kick off our, our stats overview. Um, my goal is to kind of share some of these Silk and Shade DApp statistics, um, and then we can kind of talk about some of the observations and takeaways from the activity and, and uh, data-driven insights we're seeing. And I just want to also add, if anyone has any questions, if anyone has any comments, feel free to request it anytime. This is not meant to be uh, just us three uh, talking at uh, the individuals listening to this. We want people to participate. If you have questions, please feel free to request, and I'll bring you up here. Um, so this week, I ran some, uh, ran some calculations this morning, just making sure I had the most up-to-date uh, information, but giving some information on some of the, um, or some of the shade D apps, specifically looking at shade swap here. Uh, in the past seven days, we've seen our weekly volume, uh, top just over 4 million USD, uh, monthly volume right now, uh, since April 24th is sitting at around 15 and a half million. Um, which is which is really great to see the predominant asset um, that is being supplied in liquidity on uh, on shade swap is silk and st atom which is somewhat to be expected um, all of the all of the pools on shade swap are or let's say most of the pools on shade swap are either paired um, other assets external assets are paired to shade or silk so um, and Silk definitely uh, outmatches Shade in the number of pools and pairs that it has. Um, so it's understandable that Silk is going to have uh, one of the highest TVL metrics for single assets on ShadeSwap. Um, but outside of that, um, you know, we have seen some really interesting growth uh, in the amount of stake secret in circulation. For anyone who isn't um, aware or doesn't know about Shade Protocol's liquid staking derivative for secret, you can learn more about this um, on Shade Protocol's application page. There's a tab called Derivatives on the left side. Um, highly suggest you go check that out. The stats are listed um, at the bottom of that page. But there's about 4.2 um, million stake secret currently in circulation, which would put stake secret market cap around 2.5 million, a little over 2.5 million. Um, and to me, the most interesting stat of this is the amount of, uh, the amount of secret that is staked through Shade Protocol's liquid staking derivative stake secret versus the total stake supply. And currently about 3.6% of all stake secret is done through Shade Protocol's liquid staking derivative. Currently, we've got two different bond opportunities that are being offered. One of those is, um, you know, a, in quotes, normal shade bond where individuals will deposit their shade, lock it up for a particular amount of time. And then at the end of that particular lockup, they get their original principal back plus, um, you know, the additional premium um, uh, for that lockup. And then there's also the V secret. Uh, bond that is going on where users can bond their V secret and redeem that one-to-one -one with stake secret um, after that lockup period. So it's just uh, some introductory stats uh, relating to some of the activity on ShadeSwap, stake secret, bonds. And 
if you guys have paid attention to uh, not only the new Meta Engine blog post, but also, um, you know, just kind of watching the development of Shade along its journey thus far, you can kind of already see how a lot of these applications are interacting with each other. Um, and so before uh, we move on to talking more about Silk and focusing on Silk, because I think that's probably going to be um, the majority of the statistical and data-driven discussion, um, I'm curious, Ranger or, or Mike, if you guys uh, have any thoughts or observations about some of the activity that we've been seeing uh, lately with ShadeSwap, uh, with ShadeLend, or, or any of the other Shade Protocol applications thus far. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that overview. Um, I think that really helps set the stage here. But, but yeah, I guess one of the main things that we're seeing, which I think we're seeing across all of DeFi, is the value of liquid staking derivatives. You know, the opportunity cost associated with that is far, far, uh, far, far greater uh, currently. And liquid staking derivatives in the Cosmos ecosystem is even more fantastic, uh, specifically because IBC, right? You're able to now take these liquid staking derivatives for pretty much any sovereign chain that wants to have one, um, whether it's Stride, Quicksilver, Persistence, whoever it might be that's creating it. Um, and you're now able to bridge this over to another chain, you know, pretty much instantly. So we've been seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of traction specifically with uh, SD Atom, so Stride's Atom liquid staking derivative. And uh, this is honestly expected. You know, Stride has been, uh, has been doing great. Um, with their liquid staking derivative solution. And uh, we're bringing it more utility. When I say we, I mean, Shade Protocol is you know, creating more utility for that. Um, not only is the depth of liquidity on ShadeSwap, but it's also unlocking further liquidity uh, by having it as collateral uh, to mint out Silk uh, Shade Stablecoin. Um, so I'll stop there, but essentially, you know, people are really eager to take their atom and do something with it, right? We see people in the Cosmos ecosystem that are now being able to have utility with just a couple of clicks on the same website, right, with Shade Protocol. Yeah, um, Ranger, I know you're a, uh, you're a big fan of Adam. Uh, I'm curious uh, what you think about some of the observations that, uh, that Mike just laid out and, you know, kind of the importance of being able to onboard um, now successfully have onboarded the three major liquid staking providers for um, for for Atom liquid staking derivatives. Yeah, I think uh, Atom is obviously like very important and crucial to Shade. Um, I was a big proponent of like moving away from just like a Shade secret kind of mindset into more like a Shade Atom kind of mindset because. Ultimately, I think that Shade is not just a protocol for secret network. Shade is a protocol for IBC, and Atom is the currency of IBC. So it makes sense that we align that way. What I'm really interested in, and you know, we talked about like ST Atom has a lot of adoption, is kind of like what what will occur with now that there's like a race for uh staking derivatives between multiple people what will occur there and how does that risk get translated into shade protocols ecosystem so if we use st atom in all of our pairs and then in fact silk you know we take on their security so i'm interested to see like are there ways to mitigate that risk or 
how we will work with the, with other providers to maybe spread the risk out more. Um, that's really interesting to see how that will grow over time. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Um, there definitely is uh, some inherent risk with prioritizing a single liquid staking provider uh, for one of me, for one of your primary assets, and I think that's uh, just one of the reasons that Shade Protocol was so excited to onboard Persistence and Quicksilver as um, strategic partners, both to you know empower uh, empower further Atom liquidity and private DeFi and, and its utilization in uh, private efficient. DeFi, but also to help um, spread out some of that assumed risk uh, that comes with, um, you know, really wanting to prioritize liquid staking derivatives. I mean, this is something that is really just caught on over the past, you know, year, year and a half. And so, um, you know, we're still in kind of a nascent stage of this liquid DeFi or liquid staking renaissance that I know Carter has elaborated on he's expecting to see over the next year and a half. And I think a lot of people at this point are uh, expecting to see that uh, we see liquid staking protocols and solutions pop up on almost every chain um, that's in the cosmos uh, now, whether it be through, um, you know, a module or it's through uh, smart contract development. Um, so this this growth is only going to continue and so with shade protocols positioning not only with uh the you know kind of that ultra efficiency that shade swap provides for uh swapping between derivatives and their underlying layer one assets um but also providing that additional utility um and, and reduction of kind of the hurdle rate to um to to getting involved with lending and and other types of DeFi interactions um you know, being able to use that Atom in Shadeland as well is going to be uh, really important for help driving utility for Atom in, in private DeFi. Um, so if we kind of shift our shift our focus over to Silk, because that's probably the what most people are interested in, at least right now, considering how dynamic it is, um, you know, how reflexive it is, and considering that it is now the largest decentralized stablecoin in the cosmos. Um, that's at least what I have been uh, most interested in uh, as of late. So just gonna share some uh, quick statistics with you guys and then we'll kind of uh, touch on some of the takeaways uh, from this and kind of open it up to comments or questions. So currently there's approximately 3.35 million silk in circulation um, with a total value of collateral deposits backing silk sitting at about 6.1 million USD. Uh, the current collateral backing for silk is broken down as follows. 44.2% of the collateral backing is in ST Atom. 30.7% uh, is in USDC. 14.3% is in USDT. 12.1% is in stake secret, and then 6.2% um, is ST Osmo. And so initially there are some, some pretty easy uh, observations and take uh, takeaways from this. ST Atom, um, by a decent margin, is the largest percent collateral backing for Silk with USDC and USDT following it up. Um, it, it's been really interesting to kind of see this growth 
of and changing of the percent collateral backing. I've, I've been personally tracking these numbers um, for the past three weeks, and it's been interesting to see um, ST Atom dominance really grow. And also, just from kind of like a personal or protocol uh, level, it's been really great to see uh, the stake secret uh, collateral backing increase. Um, that's you know, that's more of Secrets Native Assets uh, being used in private DeFi, which is always really encouraging to see uh, from the protocol level and also from, uh, you know, a network perspective. Um, so another kind of shifting uh, the way we're looking at this statistic, um, instead of looking at percent collateral backing, look at uh, the percent of silk supply minted per vault. Uh, currently, the largest percent of silk um, uh, minted per vault is uh, for the USDC vault. About 41% of all silk supply has been minted through um, the USDC vaults with ST Atom coming in uh, right behind it at 39.6%. Um, and then below that, USDT makes up about 18.9% of the total silk supply. Um, or sorry, that, that vault accounts for 18.9% uh, of the um, total silk supply minted, 8.2% for stake secret, and 5.1% for ST Osmo. Um, so I'll, I'll stop here just for a second. Uh, Mike, Ranger, if you guys have any comments or observations uh, just on those initial statistics, I know sometimes it's a little bit harder to um, be able to visualize this data without some sort of... Uh, you know, visual representation, but if there's anything that I just mentioned uh, that perked your ears up or that you guys want to uh, mention or talk about, um, feel free to go ahead and step in. Yeah, I'll hop in here. Um, yeah, I guess to summarize pretty much what you're saying, like just in general, it sounds like people are with people who are holding Adam are looking to do something with it, right? That's why we see such a large backing of it. Um, I think USDC has a larger, uh, you know, silk silk minted purely because of LTV, right? The loan-to-value ratio is going to be higher for these assets since they're not as volatile but not as risky of assets. Um, so that's expected as well. Um, but it is interesting, you know, again, I would say, like, for me personally, you know, Adam in the Cosmos ecosystem is one of those assets that are just trying to find value still. Um, there's a lot of people here in the cosmic ecosystem who holds it and you know there's just really not a ton to do with it and on top of that you know you have to counter inflation right yes you know you're getting staking rewards but this is actually inflation um so i think this is interesting uh, i think this is going to be an interesting time as we see interchain security roll out and uh for instance like neutron uh, with the hub um but specifically, it's interesting because you have these atom holders who can now take that liquid staking derivative in whichever form in this scenario, it's, it's Stride, that's, that's uh, used as collateral for, uh, for Silk. Um, and you're, you're able to now offset some of that inflation, right? So you're able to not only just offset it, but you're able to take out a loan in an asset that's stable, but is also a hedge against traditional inflation, traditional, uh, you know, USD inflation. So I think it's, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic what's going on here. And I think to Ranger's point earlier, it's going to be even more uh, fascinating once we have more 
liquids, they can derivatives, more collateral, uh, different types of collateral assets. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see like how the basket backing silk changes over time. And, you know, I guess I think, is it public what new assets are coming to shade or? I don't think so just yet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I guess there'll be new assets that come over time. And I guess in the long run, you know, the more the more like Adam is good liquidity because people buy Adam, like you can buy and sell hundred thousand dollar Adam on a sec on a centralized exchange and probably have like very little slippage, like a penny or something. So the fact that, um, the fact that Adam backs silk is a positive mark for like the robustness of silk, like why it won't lose its peg. Like the, the lower quality assets where like when you sell a hundred thousand dollars price drops a few percent, that's obviously more risky. So, you know, just having silk as a backing is really good. And I think that future uh, coins that are coming will have even more liquidity, which means even more security. So I look forward to seeing like how that evolves over time. And then also like, how can we start to align the, the risk of silk, which is essentially like all of its market movements, like gold, Bitcoin, uh, US dollar. And then how can we make the basket back those liabilities? So if it's 5% Bitcoin, can the basket backing silk have 5% Bitcoin? And once we reach that like ALM framework, we'll be really in a good position. So I'm excited for how that stuff changes over time um, and what we will evolve to become. Yeah, there's a there's a pr- just under two thirds of uh, the total collateral backing for silk is in liquid staking derivatives. Um, and if you kind of compare or not compare that, but kind of couple that with some of the TVL data that we're seeing on ShadeSwap right now, um, it's really great to see some of that overlap and correlation between uh, some of those data. For example, uh, with ST Atom is the largest percent collateral collateral backing for Silk, um, and kind of as a result, Silk ST Atom pool on ShadeSwap is the largest um, pool by TVL by uh, almost forty percent. Um, and then if you kind of follow uh, these five. Um, these five pieces of collateral that are accepted uh, to to borrow silk, those assets, uh, other than one, uh, one pool, those assets make up the largest silk pools by TVL on ShadeSwap. So um, there's a, and that that's really important uh, as well. Many of you might have heard us discuss that before we add additional assets on ShadeLend, we want to see. Um, really nice liquidity uh, flowing into ShadeSwap, making sure that when individuals participate in liquidations, they can sell um, they can sell that collateral and capture that profit. Um, primarily, that's being captured as going back into Silk right now. Um, but Ranger, just one, one more uh, question, kind of talking about the, the value of prioritizing liquid staking derivatives for Silk's collateral backing. Um, you know, I don't know how much uh, the, the phrase like reduction in hurdle rates uh, perks up your ears as someone who's a bit more f- uh, familiar with uh, TradFi, but um, 
you know, when you think about the the additional opportunities that are unlocked with uh, the reduction in hurdle rate uh, for liquid staking tokens, um, you know, what what does that kind of make you think of? Uh, you know, when it comes to new additional opportunities, uh, some of the competitive edges that uh, these assets have over their incumbents. Uh, which is basically their underlying liquid, uh, their underlying layer one asset. Um, just curious what you think about uh, some of the value there and, and where it's being mostly expressed. Um, I, I, I'm not familiar exactly with the terminology, but I think you're trying to talk about like the opportunity cost of like why you yep. want to use yep. ST Atom versus, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus like the native, because otherwise, you know, you're, if yeah, in in an instance where like if we only accepted native atom, you would want a return on your atom equal to or greater than the staking, probably greater because staking atom, even though they say that there's risk of slashing, that's so rare that it wouldn't really it wouldn't really factor into your decision. So you could think of staking atom as like the risk free rate of atom. So anyone that asks to take native Atom would essentially need to offer the risk-free rate plus some premium for whatever risk they're taking with that action. Um, so yeah, I mean, once you once you frame everything around liquid staking, then people are inherently getting that, um, people are inherently like getting that risk-free rate at all times. And you could think of maybe like the APR on a staked atom atom pool as like making up for part of the atom not being staked plus some contract risk or bridge risk or the you know yeah any any uh, any extra variables and that's ultimately like how the rate should be found in like a efficient market to figure out you know what apr should be I appreciate that. Yeah, that's uh, some good context. Um, yeah, I, to to be clear, I just recently heard the term hurdle rate maybe a few months ago, so <laughs> not holding that against you. Um, so one of the things that um, I personally noticed, and I know a lot of community members have been very conscious of and cognizant of, is um, the amount of collateral backing that is um, backed by centralized stable coins in. Um, and I mentioned earlier, uh, for anyone who is familiar with the forum post uh, labeled operation touch and go, you'll kind of understand what I'm talking about and the plans that we have uh, relating to this. Um, but I'll give a quick recap for anyone who is not familiar uh, with what operation touch and go was, um, or, or what the stable coin trilemma uh, is uh, as well. So as far as the stablecoin trilemma is uh, concerned, and, and anyone who wants to read a bit more about this, I suggest going to the Shade Protocol forums. There's a forum post outlined uh, by Carter that details all of this. Um, but effectively, there are three key attributes uh, for any stablecoin. Those are stability, efficiency, and security. Stability is the ability for a stablecoin to maintain its peg. Efficiency is the amount of capital required to mint 
or burn a stable coin in relation to changes in demand. And then security is the degree to which the underlying collateral is decentralized. So the more centralized the collateral, the greater risk uh, that that collateral could be controlled in a way that negatively impacts the stability of the peg. And uh, a TLDR of what Operation Touch and Go is really trying to outline is it's trying to outline this half-decade journey for Silk to achieve full decentralization of its underlying collateral. Um, and, you know, this half-decade timeline gives the protocol time for various treasury operations and, and primitive revenue streams to be able to, um, like, kickstart and partake in this uh, kind of long-term transition of collateral. Um, you know, with this strategy, uh, we recognize that in – that first, especially in that first year, the bootstrapping of silk adoption um, is being prioritized, and we recognize uh, some of the risks that come with uh, having a bit more centralized collateral there. Um, but we do have a clear long-term plan to achieve uh, some of the independence from the risks associated with centralized collateral. Um, so, as of right now, we're optimizing for growth and adoption in the short term, um, but we are very focused on uh, planning and following our plan towards heading towards a decentralized collateral. And so as of right now, just to kind of give a, uh, an update on where we're at as far as percent of uh, centralized collateral backing, about 44% of the collateral backing of Silk is in centralized stable coins. Um, there is, you know, there's a lot of uh, factors at play here. Like I mentioned, we're really trying to focus for uh, tr trying to focus on optimizing for growth and adoption. But there's also, um, you know, some technical things that we're wanting to keep in mind as we as we look at raising different max caps for individual vaults. There's different risks associated with each of the relative collateral vaults. Um, or sorry, each of the corresponding collateral vaults that kind of weighs into the decision of raising the max caps uh, for some of these vaults. And m maybe for context, uh, Mike, I think you might have, um, you know, the best idea of this, but could you, could you kind of detail some of the rationale and some of the things we're considering when, um, when we're looking to potentially raise uh, the max caps for collateral vaults with Shade Lend? Yeah, for sure. So, um, it kind of breaks down to a couple of things. One, what is the collateral asset? And there is a internal risk analysis that's uh, performed on those assets. Um, and then the next one is pretty much what is the depth of liquidity on shade swap for these uh, collateral assets? Um, and the reason why this is important is because as liquidations occur and things like that, there needs to be a place where you can, there needs to be a market essentially where you can swap out these assets. Um, so those are the two main ones. And then in terms of just like what's preventing, uh, you know, the raising of, of, of caps for specific vaults, it's a stability mechanism, right? You want to make sure that the macro supply of silk is, uh, is in line with whichever vaults you're raising the caps. Um, you know, you don't want to be, too, you know, overzealous and 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 start raising caps um, because that's how um, you know that's how things can start to get underpeg a little bit more. Um, and as you start raising these caps, like you're like you're talking about, uh, Red, 
you have to keep in mind like what is actually backing, how, how much of this is backing silk. And if you are putting all your eggs in one basket, that's of course is, is you know, going to inherit some risk. Um, so those are the, the, three main, the three main pieces. Yeah, and when we look at you know, likelihood of collateral being liquidated, it's, um, it's apparent to most that the likelihood of USDC vaults or USDT vaults, um, I guess unless you're maxing out your um, LTV for your loans with these vaults, um, those are individuals who take out uh, silk loans in those vaults are less likely to be liquidated and that's reflected in the max LTV allowed um, you know, with those vaults and kind of what, uh, you know, Mike was elaborating there on the stability mechanisms, um, especially as we're in a bear market where we're seeing some, some really, we're seeing a lot of volatility in the market. And, um, you know, as we consider raising the max caps for our volatile assets, whether they be liquid staked or not, um, these are things that we have to keep in mind. And so, um, you know, we're going to be introducing some improvements to Shadeland here with um, uh, with an upcoming update, Shadeland V2. And that is going to allow for much, much more uh, efficient liquidations, basically um, minimizing the amount of collateral that needs to be uh, liquidated uh, from individuals' positions um, to remove bad debt from the system. And so this would allow us to um, more, it, it would allow us to raise those max caps a little bit more um, assuredly. Uh, I think I probably want to use a different, a uh, uh, better word there, but um, feel a lot more uh, safe with raising those max caps for some of the volatile assets. Um, once, once we know that these uh, more efficient liquidations are, are able to take place. Um, but Ranger, do you have, any, you have any thoughts on kind of where we're at uh, with Operation Touch and Go, the, the percentage of uh, collateral backing right now that's, um, that's held in centralized stables? Um, I'm curious to hear what you think. You know, I assume that you have a bit more of a conservative approach uh, due to your traditional finance backing, but I'm, I'm curious what you think. I think that what we have now is good. I mean, I'm not, I want everything that backs Silk to be decentralized. It's just when you look at the assets which are available, like USDC is one of the best ones at the moment. So it's like if a lot of it is backed by centralized stables in the first month of production, it's not really a concern to me if it's a year from now or two years from now and it's still a very high percent chance, the uh, percentage. And I'd say like, yeah, we're probably failing on our mission. But um, for now, I think like growth is important. Like making Silk um, be a standard source to store value in across Cosmos is probably like my number one priority. And then like, I would probably put the decentralization of the assets that back it uh, behind that. So the fact that a lot of it is backed by Adam is positive. The fact that a lot of it is backed by USDC in my mind is not necessarily a bad thing, but yeah, it's like, as time goes on, we definitely want to orient towards uh, more more decentralized currencies. Yep. 
of course, I, I, I hold the same sort of opinions. And uh, like I said earlier, it feels like crypto moves so fast. Uh, you know, Operation Touch and Go is a half decade uh, long journey. And we're just over one month uh, into Silk being in the wild. So, um, you know, as, as much as we all want to see Silk completely backed uh, by decentralized collateral, um, having some of those centralized elements, especially in the beginning phases, is going to be really helpful for uh, the growth and adoption in the in the near term. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I was just going to jump in. Like, one cool thought experiment um, is, you know, as we do, like, uh, I guess along the lines of touch and go, right, as we start to move away from more of these centralized stable coins because we can afford to, um, you know, we are in the Cosmos ecosystem where there's chains popping up left and right. And if these chains show value and these chains uh, and these companies, these liquid staking derivative companies like Stride, like Quicksilver, Persistence, et cetera, you know, as they start creating more staking derivatives for these chains, it's almost going through like this checks and balances system. Right, you have these people that are going and doing analysis on the chain, on the token itself, the tokenomics, determining whether it's it's suited to actually have a, a successful liquid staking derivative. You then have this liquid liquid staking derivative uh, that's you know floating around in the cosmos, and it's looking for utility. And the beautiful thing is, is that Shea Protocol is like a suite of applications. Right, these applications are actually connected to each other. Right, on the on the contract level they can actually communicate and you have these interconnected functions. So as a chain, as a company that is creating a liquid staking derivative or as a company that is creating a new blockchain with a new token, you start to get more demand and utility for your underlying assets by bringing it over to Shape Protocol. And what I mean by that is if you now take your liquid staking derivative and you spin up a pool on ShadeSwap, you want demand, right? You want that depth of liquidity. And there's there's incentive, there's an empowerment to do that because as you have that depth of liquidity, you're really starting to, you know, dig your heels into the ground and saying, hey, like this asset is worth, this asset is, is providing value, right? There's intrinsic value that people should start to look at. And once, like I said before, once it goes through the checks and balances of, of Shade Lend, and if we decide, you know, if the community decides to, to put this up as collateral, there's now even more demand for that asset. And what's even cooler is because Shade Protocol um, you know, takes, has all these different revenue streams, you have now revenue that's being taken from collateralized assets that are going to the end user, but also going to the Shade Protocol DAO. So you have this unique relationship with the protocol that is now securing these underlying L1s and locking in that liquidity. And then you have these everyday users who are in the Cosmos ecosystems that can put up any type of collateral that's accepted to mint out Silk, then can take that Silk and put it in Silk Earn, for instance, and just passively gain a diversified you know, basket of assets, right? You're talking about all the collateral options to mint out Silk is now being distributed to the end user who is taking their Silk and putting it in Silk Earn. Yep. Yep. That's a, that's a great point. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, at the crux of what you're saying, or at least kind of what I'm taking away from what you're saying is that, you know, as we continue to provide additional utility for silk, whether that be within shade protocols own, 
uh, ecosystem of dApps or other uh, dApps within the Cosmos ecosystem, uh, we're going to see. I think we're going to see increased demand for uh, additional collateral vaults, and and you know that that time frame uh, from where we're able to provide and extend that utility for Silk, we're going to see a uh, bit more maturity and expansion of these liquid staking protocols, give some of these tokens their uh, their chance to sort of establish um, some, some level of an adoption rate in the market, um, which will help us kind of discern which assets we want to bring, uh, bring into Shade Protocol's ecosystem and accept as collateral for Silk. Uh, you know, currently, I've got a quick breakdown of the current uh, Silk utility. Um, there's three main places, or there's three main things that someone might do with Silk right now. One of them is to, okay, well, maybe four. Um, one of them would be to LP Silk. Um, and currently, there's just under 2 million Silk uh, in TVL. Um on ShadeSwap, one of the other things users could do is deposit those assets into the earn pool, which um, if you go to the documentation, I believe it's also referred to as the Silk Stability Pool. But effectively, users deposit their Silk and they're able to participate and facilitate liquidations on ShadeLend. Um, in that process, users will effectively pay off uh, debt for uh, positions marked for liquidations um, and the people who uh, deposit their silk and help pay off that debt will receive discounted collateral at a pro rata um, at a pro rata share and so currently there's about 1.3 million silk in the uh, silk stability pool so uh, the, the percent backing of this is there's about 58 percent of silk uh, the total supply of silk is being LP'd on ShadeSwap right now. About 39% of the total supply of Silk is currently sitting in the uh, in the earn pool, um, ready to help facilitate liquidations. And I think that's also um, you know a pretty critical piece of information for us to be cognizant about uh, when it comes to expanding the max caps uh, for Silk. You know, we want to. To the best of our ability, to the you know, being cognizant of the things we can control, some of the historical data that we're seeing as far as activity, um, we want there to be sufficient uh, silk locked or not locked, but silk deposited into the stability pool to be able to facilitate liquidations in in some of these more extreme market movements um, that that we could see. Um, and so one, it's really great to see uh, a very healthy amount of silk in the silk stability pool. Um, I, I don't know if we've ever put out uh, any data on like what we would or what the, in quotes, ideal uh, percentage of the total supply that would be in the silk stability pool. Um, my gut would probably say something like 30%, uh, but um, I could be wrong. Um, probably be better to uh, consult with some of the some of the contributors who built lend um, but the other the, the other thing that you can do with your silk right now is pretty much hold it and um, or or use it to swap and capture arbitrage but the main one would be uh, to hold it for its uh, perpetual uh, volatility hedging properties and I know this is something that Carter has talked about in the past that he's really interested in seeing that 
that last percentage change because that effectively represents the amount of value uh, that is realized uh, or being held purely for its, um, you know, purchasing power preservation and its its uh, global volatility hedging properties. And so, uh, Mike Ranger, if you guys have any comments or uh, you know uh, thoughts about you know what percent of supply of silk we want to see doing different things. Obviously, as more utility uh, is provided for silk, both within uh, Shade Protocol's own ecosystem and then outside, I know uh, there's been a few teases of different integrations on other applications and blockchains in the Cosmos ecosystem. But just curious on your thoughts uh, regarding this. Yeah, I definitely think um, with regard to like earn and how much money should be in that pool to support uh, buying liquidated collateral, like ultimately the vision of the meta engine is really like we need to make sure that all the dApps connect and flow into one another. So ideally, like when you get liquidated and in earn and then you get ST Atom at a discount, we would link that earn functionality back into the decks and say, okay, now sell that ST Atom back for more silk to lock in my profit. So the user doesn't need, we don't need as much silk in the stability pool because the user is cycling back into silk. So from that perspective, like the amount of money that um, would need to be in there would be much lower once we make that next integration um, for the meta engine, which will also drive, uh, you know, volume to the decks, which is good for liquidity providers. And it will also drive more, uh, profit to the DAO, which is good for shade holders. So that's really like an illustration of like how the meta engine will improve over time uh, to like make Silk more robust, give, you know, and increase um, and increase uh, revenue for LPs and the DAO. Um, and then like, as far as like what percentage should be used where, like I definitely agree that like Silk Silk should be held because people want to hold stable coins. The same way people hold USDC in their wallet, they're like, I'm going to wait for the dip and then buy it. Once we reach that point where people feel comfortable holding Silk uh, versus USDC, I think that it will be good once people on other chains start to want Silk. And I know Carter put up the um, proposal on Osmosis to get a Silk pool added there. So I think things like that are really important um to the future of silk where it's like the same way we want st atom on shade because you know if if secret network only trade secret network coins like we're not really growing anything it's kind of ponzi once you start bringing other assets in it's like okay now it's real and with silk once we start moving it out into new worlds then it becomes more real and it's not just something that we trade internally on secret network so i think that that's really like the next phase of growth yeah couldn't agree with you more there and and i like that you kind of looped in the meta engine here this is the next piece we want to cover um i know we're kind of coming up on time um we might go over a little bit um but if, at any point if anyone has any questions please again feel free to request to speak Happy to bring you up here and answer any questions or, um, you know, hear any of your observations and thoughts. But 
Ranger, you brought up a, an interesting point about the meta engine and, and, you know, the key component of the shade protocol meta engine is that every additional app enhances uh, the system in terms of utility uh, and or shared liquidity and, and, and shades meta engine, the sustainability of it is very intimately tied to the ability uh, to expand the interconnected offerings uh, under not only the shade protocol uh, UI UX, but also expanding that um, that utility out into the cosmos. And so for anyone who hasn't read Shade Protocol's most recent blog post focusing on the Shade Protocol meta engine, I definitely uh, suggest you guys do that. Um, we also have a Twitter thread on our um, on our Twitter account that you can read a nice high-level overview of that. Um, but Ranger, yeah, I I'm curious if you if you have any thoughts. I think you might be one of the best people to speak about the meta engine right now and kind of the importance of it. Um, but yeah, if if you have any uh, thoughts on you know how some of these revenue streams can be realized, um, you know what are some of the best ways for us to uh, utilize some of those revenue streams right now? Obviously, um, just like with uh, the growth of Silk and its collateral backing, you know there is somewhat of a roadmap for how these things change over time as we get into different stages of growth and adoption for the protocol. Um, but I'm curious on what you, what you're kind of thinking when you think about shades meta engine being kind of kickstarted, uh, with the launch of staking for me, like the, I don't know, like for me, the, the, the design of how the things connect is really like where I'm most interested in. So it's like, you know, I think the blog post did a good, did a really good job of laying out some examples of like, if you deposit secret into stake secret, revenue goes to the DAO. If you swap that for some silk and you LP that, like we get a cut of like the profits from there. If like you're, if you put it in lend and, and it gets liquidated, there's profits from there. So I think like that did a really good piece of describing like where, um, like where there are opportunities to profit uh, for the DAO and like why the meta engine maybe uh, can get kickstarted like through a bunch of different avenues. But I think what's really important is like what I'm, what I mentioned about like if Earn sold, sold the tokens back into the decks, like, once we start making those connections horizontally or we start building products on top of things that already exist. So like, um, you know, I don't want to give away alpha, but there's definitely some, some interesting ways that like you can share liquidity where maybe, um, you know, a liquidity pool is also a borrowing m money market. Um, that's definitely something that you can do uh, with the meta engine because we're not just one or the other like ultimately we don't want to see we made the meta engine to stop the fracture of liquidity across dApps so when you think from that context like we also need to think about like how do we stop the fracturing of liquidity between our own dApps and that's the and that's really like where it gets interesting um so yeah like to me the meta engine like the use case of of like why it is important to me and just spreading that message is really like what I'm interested in at the moment. Like I think the the use is of like what we, what liquidity and revenue that comes from it and how it's used that's laid out in the blog post, which is essentially 
to increase shade silk liquidity, to increase uh, shade ST atom liquidity. Um, ultimately, those things drive value to uh, shade holders. Uh, some of it goes to stakers as well. But really, like the goal is um, if you believe in the, in the idea of the meta engine, the growth of shade, you will get extra money for staking. But also at the same time, like we're going to provide extra sources of liquidity. So there's always ways to exit. There's the correlation when you have a shade, a deep shade ST atom pool, you're getting correlation to atom. You could envision in the future if there are other assets like ETH, you could increase liquidity there. So then shade becomes like a proxy for uh, more apex assets. And like, I think that that's ultimately the vision for it. So, um, yeah. Yeah, to piggyback off that, like Ranger, Ranger and I have had countless, very, very long conversations about this concept. And like at the end of the day, Yes, there's two ways that you could look at the meta engine, and they are connected, right? They go hand in hand. Foundation, like on the foundation level, you have the sustainability, right? You, what, like the 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 end result of a meta engine is pretty much amplifying sustainability. Um, and the real cool thing that I, I definitely have to agree with Ranger on is. What are the possibilities that can come when you have these actual applications that are connected to each other, right? Like a great way to put this into perspective is if you look at, for instance, the, the, the old Terra ecosystem, right? That was a, you know, of course, putting everything aside, that was like overall like a great uh, ecosystem in terms of utility. The issue with that is that all these applications were not actually connected. They just saw the potential for integration and they decided to build an application on top of another application, on top of another application to drive value to their own applications governance token. And that's pretty much what, what Shape Protocol is looking to solve is, hey, instead of having this fractured liquidity, this fractured user experience, let's instead have a cohesive unified one. And the meta engine is the end goal for, of this vision. And that is where you do have new possibilities that you know, appear now that you do have interconnected applications. So even, if, even like if you look at Ethereum, right, you have all these great, great financial products, but they're all separated. You might hop on you know, one, uh, one application, then go to another website to go do something else, et cetera, right? It goes forward. On Shape Protocol, we're trying to say, hey, how about you combine that all into one? You do it on one site, but actually now unlock different you know, edge cases, edge ad advantages, quite honestly, where you can now do more. And like Ranger's saying, like the liquidity issue is, is something in DeFi all around, right? Depth of liquidity is a huge problem. And people are quite honestly fighting for liquidity, right? Like emissions, all these incentives are just trying to gain liquidity. And we're saying there is a way to do this where you can now have this closed loop, right? It's this system where different applications can go use liquidity 
or other use cases of other of of other applications and it really comes down to like capital efficiency right if you just have some assets sitting in a liquidity pool and they're really not doing much it doesn't make sense right it could be used somewhere else we're seeing this with liquid staking derivatives the opportunity cost is higher and you know that's the main thing that we're trying to preach is that there is this vision of a meta engine and shape protocol is aiming to actually complete that and sustainability is just the the net results but the real bread and butter is how creatively you can connect these applications yeah and we've seen some really um we've seen some really lively discussions since we launched that blog post about um you know some of the prioritizations and what what people feel are going to be some of the most impactful shade dow operations to help convert some of these fee streams um and kind of the distribution of those fee streams um you know some of this stuff is uh it i'm probably not the right person to 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 speak too much on some of the um the value of each of these uh different aspects of the operations and uh, distributions of fee streams but um you know these things are going to be subject to change um through through governance in the future and um you know right now I believe there are there are five key shade DAO operations to to convert fee streams from all the different um, shade protocol D apps. There's um, you know the acquisition of protocol owned liquidity, buyback and burn for both shade and silk, distribution um, into staking rewards, the acquisition of yield bearing assets, um, which would most likely be in the form of um, liquid staking derivatives or LP tokens, um, and then being able to uh, cover and provide, cover smart contract operational gas costs, which would help provide a much more, um, a, a much better user experience, especially for users uh, coming into the protocol for the first time. Um, and so there's, we're definitely assuming there's going to be some really lively discussions on what things are going to be implemented first, what uh, percent allocations to all these things people want to see, the, the types of yield-bearing assets people want to see acquired, um, the, the distribution of protocol on liquidity and what's prioritized. And, and that's one of the beautiful things about um, the Shade Protocol community is that we're not focused on just being you know, this siloed off into private DeFi. We don't want just secret network users to be using our products and so with shade protocol providing some of these truly competitive uh interchain uh services and uh and utility we are going to have a wide array and breadth of opinions and knowledge and experience from different aspects of crypto in general uh, being able to kind of provide their feedback and opinions on some of the best ways we can go about this and this is by no means um, a closed discussion, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to invite anyone who is here in this audience to come up and speak. If anyone has any questions, original thoughts, and observations, I know a lot of people have um, elaborated on their thoughts in our Discord, um, but just want to let everyone know that if you have any uh, comments, observations, questions, concerns, um, all of those can be uh, brought up here if you guys would like. But... Um, yeah, uh, I know we're getting uh, close to, well, we're already over on our normal amount of time. Um, so I'll 
wrap this up with maybe one last question um, for both Mike and Ranger here. Um, and again, if anyone has any questions from the audience, please feel free uh, to request and I'll bring you up here and any of us would be happy to answer your questions. Um, but I'm curious uh, for both of you, um, what you think uh, out of the different allocations uh, for fee streams uh, and their distribution, are there any that you think have um, some really significant narrative uh, or power behind its narrative? I know oftentimes individuals are uh, you know, very focused on the data-driven um, aspect of some of these distributions. But there's also, just like with any market, there is, um, you know, this kind of illogical or emotional um, narrative-driven aspect of, um, you know, some of the choices that are made. And I'm curious if um, you guys think any of these uh, current fee stream distributions or fee allocations uh, have really strong narratives right now. I would say the protocol-owned liquidity to me is like the most powerful narrative because we mentioned like a closed source system, um, you know, essentially like as the, like I noticed the conversation sometimes devolves into like some people talking about like value accrual, quote unquote, like from my perspective, value accrual is how protocols earn money. But a lot of them say like, no, it's like, how does value accrue back to me, the user? Um, and I think that there's sometimes a divide on like protocol and liquidity because it's like, oh, well, you should just give it to me and I should uh, make the decision. But from like the meta engine perspective, right? Like Mike mentioned sustainability uh, and like a closed system. Like once the meta engine has some of its own money where like now it's not getting a cut of a fee, it's getting the entire um, amount. So it's like, there's that point where you go from renting to owning liquidity. To me, that is like a very powerful aspect of the meta engine. And so protocol and liquidity, I know that some people think like, oh, well, if you have a, if you have a shade ST atom pool, uh, as protocol and liquidity, like the protocol experiences impermanent loss, but I'll counter that the protocol is always in the market of making its own token. Like we've talked about on this call, like why liquidity is important. Like we wouldn't want, we wouldn't want Adam to back silk if we couldn't sell large quantities of it quickly in down markets. Uh, and the same way people won't want to use shade on their protocol if we can't guarantee large buys are available like at any time. So like ultimately, I think that protocol liquidity making our token very liquid adds a lot of value to it and makes it into something that other people will then want to use within their system. Mike, you have any thoughts on this or? Uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm echoing the same as Ranger here. Um, I guess the the narrative itself is is the meta engine, right? That that is like the narrative in my mind. Like that that key piece is what is actually creating a visual for for the end user that's going to see the advantages of of, uh, of a system that works like this. Um, I think in terms of if there's a narrative and you know along the lines of any specific revenue stream. 
Um, if, if that's like what you mean by the question, Red, I would say that you know silk utility is is clearly going to be one of the most important. Right, we want this asset, we want this stablecoin to be used throughout the Cosmos ecosystem and and beyond. And really, that is like one of the centerpieces um, that drives a lot more utility to other other applications and other revenue streams. Um, and and you know the the vision is is that silk is is going to be this de facto stablecoin that that we could use and on secret network it's it's private so you know if you want to have a, a stable asset if you want to have more utility with these assets and have privacy at the end of the day you know secret network shape protocol is the, is the place to be love to hear it well guys um this is uh, going to be where we start wrapping up this Twitter space. Uh, we'll give it a few more minutes. Um, if anyone has any last-minute questions regarding the Meta Engine, any of the shade or silk uh, statistics that we shared, any of the observations, takeaways we discussed. Um, while we're giving that a uh, few minutes for anyone to ask questions if they have any, I just want to thank you all for joining us today uh, to discuss this. Um, you know, We've had a lot of people reach out to us both both privately and publicly, um, you know, about getting more detailed analytics. And this is something that uh, we're very focused on right now. Um, we want people to be able to make educated decisions about what they're doing with their assets, um, you know, how they can potentially leverage their shade protocol assets, um, whether it be shade, silk, um, or stake secret. Uh, we want people to be able to make educated decisions on that. And so that's one of the reasons that we wanted to start kind of kicking off these analytics-focused Twitter spaces. It's one of the reasons that we're going to be publishing uh, analytical data every week. Uh, right now, we're looking to publish those on Friday, kind of like as a week and recap uh, for our statistical updates for the applications, or sorry, for our suite of applications. Um, yeah, we're looking to continue expanding our educational uh, resources, our documentation, um, because we know that as people come into Secret Network, they're inevitably going to have some questions. Private DeFi on its own um, is different enough from public DeFi that there's there's assumed to be uh, some general friction for people coming from public to private blockchains, but we're looking to try and simplify that onboarding process um, as much as possible. So I encourage you guys to go interact with the applications uh, read more about Silk and Shade, um, and stay tuned for more updates about analytics, our adoption progress, new integrations. Uh, we've got some extra stuff coming this week. I don't I know Carter teased a little bit of it yesterday, um, but uh, Shade Lens should be getting some extra love tomorrow. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Flash, do you have any uh, last-minute uh, Thoughts or comments before we close this out? No, all good. Just encourage uh, people to, to check out what we got going on. And uh, like I said, feedback is definitely appreciated. And thanks, Red, for uh, hosting this. Not a problem. Not a problem. Yeah. So to stay update with everything going on with Shade Protocol, definitely suggest you follow Shade Protocol on Twitter. Join our Discord. Join our Telegrams. Uh, Discord and Telegram where most of our community activity is happening. And so if you would like to participate in any of the, these discussions, um, it's highly encouraged for, to join our social communities. Um, but again, thank you for everyone listening today and hope you all have a great day.
Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Shade Protocol Analytics, recorded on Wednesday, May 24th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support now. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions. Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing. I'll aggressive, insane from all directions. Smoke blows in when I start a session. Plank canvas, blaze up the handlers. Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck. Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush. Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers. Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse. But in the universe, I'm just writing some words. Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs. Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain, got the taxes included Acting like a writer, never felt secluded Just another fixed game of try my luck Go lighten up dog. it could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse Then you're dead or putting in new speakers It's a toss up, driver or just tweakers Don't stress yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake, off the cutting floor we take A little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling, less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the blocks came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal, I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble